0: this is the sweet by so sandra podcast do you know what your brand's signature style is well, I got you covered. Take the 60-second style quiz on our website at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz. Once you're done, you'll get a breakdown of who your style icon is, a very cool discount code on working with me and College of Style to help bring out what your signature style is and make it work for you. So visit our website today at collegeofstyle.com forward slash style dash quiz to take the quiz now. You're listening to Sweet Bites with Sandra with your host, Dr. Sandra coulton Follow on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Dr. Sandra coulton You can listen to select episodes of the podcast live on Fireside and learn about upcoming course announcements Coaching programs, working one on one with Sandra, and new template releases by visiting collegeofstyle.com. Find digital marketing strategies and social media updates on Sandra's Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash College of Style. Join Sandra on TikTok, Pinterest, and Twitter at College of Style and subscribe today to Sandra's newsletter. It's called Link in Bio and you can find it on LinkedIn to learn more about links that make you click. This is your personal invitation to join Sandra's community at collegeofstylecommunity.com today. Hi, I'm Sandra, and I'd like to invite you to subscribe and listen to my new podcast, Sweet Bites with Sandra. Satisfy your entrepreneurial sweet tooth in each episode full of digital business tips, inspiring interviews, asides from my entertainment career, and rewards to celebrate your sweet success. Find Sweet Bites with Sandra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on episode 68 of the Sweet Bites of Sandra podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sandra Coltamodisi, and today I have a great guest for you. If you are an influencer or just want to figure out how to get into the art direction game, then I have the perfect person for you. Her name is Kate Tarantieva. She is an art director and the boss behind Kate Mob. She is also the host of Kindly Gifted, a podcast that is really, really giving you the behind the scenes for everything influencer marketing. And she's got a pretty fantastic TikTok profile herself. So stay tuned for the interview. Five tips for social audio. Number one, set your vibe and your structure early and set the rules for audience participation. Two, have a promo strategy for before, during, and after your social audio event. Three, read the room and reset as needed. Four, provide your expertise because gatekeeping is extremely unhelpful. And number five, invite people to engage. It is time to celebrate. We are celebrating over 100 new members in our College of Style Twitter community. Now, if you haven't had a chance to join, it is not too late and it's free. So check the podcast notes for number one, the link to join us on the Twitter community and number two, to celebrate with us with a special promo code that you can use in the shopcollegeofstyle.com store today. If you're looking for a way to incentivize your audience, whether on webinars, conferences, concerts, or social audio, you may want to begin issuing popes spelled P O A P. Popes are digital mementos minted in celebration of life's remarkable moments, and they can be issued to collectors to celebrate a shared experience or memory. Minting these memories to the blockchain is how some companies are integrating the new experiences of Web3 as what has been called a tokenized experience. For more information, you can check out the app in the App Store by searching P-O-A-P, or you can visit them on the web at pope.com. Dot X Y Z. Katarina, she goes by Kate. Well, so today we're going to be talking about art direction, specifically influencer marketing and the gap that there is that you um, are filling for influencers and content creators in the digital space. Just a little bit of your background is in art direction and on the creative side of advertising and art direction. And you kind of fell into this whole base of helping people with influencer marketing and content creation because you were an influencer yourself at one point. Is that right?
1: Yes. Yes. So I, I actually started my creative career and my like, creative journey. Um, I had a Tumblr, which like Does anybody remember Tumblr anymore? But um, I had a Tumblr about 13 years ago. um, That was just like my high school diary. It's not anything crazy. It wasn't like a strategic thing. And it went viral. And after that, I was just, I got super involved in social media and I was so interested to learn more about it and all of that. So then, fast forward, I went to like a creative ad art school program and I ended up. Yeah, I ended up finishing a degree in art direction in advertising, but I specialized specifically in digital marketing. And on the side, I was trying to pay my bills as... An influencer, but it also was an opportunity for me to see kind of like, are the things that I'm learning, like, can I actually apply them to the real world? Can I also apply them to something beyond traditional advertising? Can I apply them to like influencer marketing, social media, just platforms that were kind of on the rise? And it was, yeah, it was awesome. And it was surprising to me to see that there's not a lot of. I guess advertising background and like the psychology of marketing and how people buy and how to make a successful ad. None of that is really being taught to influencers. And I realized that like part of the problem is one, the industry where I come from is really, really small. So it's very much like insider information. And the other side of that is that. The brands, the advertisers, the marketers—they don't respect influencers. It's not you know the conversations that we would have behind closed doors about influencers is are not anything positive. It was more of like, oh, we have to partner up with influencers, but everyone's sitting there rolling their eyes like, oh, I wish we didn't have to. And that's so unfortunate because they are creatives just like us, and they are doing this by themselves like most of them don't have a degree in advertising or marketing. It's like self-taught. And why tear somebody down who's trying to do the same thing as us just because they don't have access to that professional education or professional training? So that kind of inspired me to be like, oh, I actually I've been on the both sides of the coin, you know, being an influencer but also being on the brand side of things. And I was like, I feel like I'm in a very unique position that I can understand and validate the influencer's concern, but then at the same time, help them understand how to play the brand's game because influencer marketing is the brand's game, but I think it, it deserves to be put back in the influencer's hands, to be honest.
0: Yes, well, and I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with you on all of that. I think that there's so many influencers out there that, you know, they, it kind of, the influencer game started really bubbling up with like Instagram, right? Um, exactly, and now it's this weird shift and it's gone from, you know, super curated feed to people don't really want to see you being perfect because we know you're not, right? Exactly. So when you think about the evolution of the influencer what do you think is the one thing that an influencer needs in their back pocket to have to have staying power, to have that longevity?
1: That's a really great question. I was actually just talking about that with someone the other day, and I think that the influencers that will that continue to stick around are there's there seems to be one of two things. When I look at influencers that are very very successful, and continue getting ad partnerships, not because of their following. But like, when you really look at them, you're like, okay, they don't have a million followers. So like, what is it that's getting them continued sponsorship and brand opportunities? Like, what is that thing? The common denominator typically tends to be that they have worked in the creative industry at some point in time. And um, art directors, producers, you know, copywriters, all these people that have that Background and knowledge of understanding, like, how it is that I can approach a brand and talk to a brand and really be their equal. Which, in their world, for an influencer to do is like their worst nightmare because it's been so easy for brands to play influencers and undercharge them. I mean, I keep seeing people are like, Oh, I was asked to do a post for $50. $50 like that's not even a creative's hourly rate, you know what I mean? So it's just insane. But I think that nowadays it's like okay you know almost anybody especially with tiktok now can get a brand partnership or a sponsorship so what is that thing that makes you a constant reminder in someone's in someone's in the back of someone's mind or something that someone thinks about and i think it's it's really understanding your audience that's something that i also hear talked about a lot you need to know who your target audience is you need to know who your community is you need to know who's following you and I mean, I think understanding them as if they were one real person, like with every piece of content that you make, talking to that one person, not to a million followers, not to a hundred thousand people, but to one person, it tends to like attract more of those types of people to your profile. So you can then expand from like, okay, I have a really dedicated community. They know me. I know them as if we were friends in real life and then you can go and expand into like products that they want like what kind of merch would they want to see from you would they is there some sort of like void that you can fill in the e-commerce world is there some sort of brand collaboration that you can take past digital into like the tangible world where you create a product with a brand that you can kind of guarantee that the majority of community of your community will buy. So it's entering, I think the longevity is like being able to enter from the online world into like the product space and actually establishing a product presence and really stepping into your own as a full business
0: that is awesome i i do think that that you know is what a lot of people are trying to figure out these days is how Mm -hmm. do i become a business you know um and that's the thing is a lot of influencers don't see themselves as having a business they see it as kind of like this side hustle that kind of when they were getting gifts for what they were doing is really cool because then they could wear really fun outfits now it's it's about this is the great resignation people are trying to make make life you know life changing moves and i was reading this you know this everybody kind of saw this article about 900 people being laid off via zoom you know and mm-hmm. so it's not just people taking their careers into their own hands it's a lot of employers just kind of like saying yeah we're going to do things differently and so influencers now are looking at this and even content creators content creators are the new word, I think, for some influencers, because now content creators are creating all this it's, it's almost a, a new job right. contribution for TikTok. And so they're creating their own bubble. And I'm hoping it doesn't burst anytime soon, because it is quite lucrative is a good mm-hmm. word for it. And I, I think that you've been talking a little bit about this on TikTok is that, you know, setting your own rates, knowing your own worth, and maybe you can talk a little bit about how this kind of bubbled over into your creation of the Kindly Gifted podcast.
1: Yes, Kindly Gifted podcast was really just came about as like an, um, an unfiltered, candid conversation about the creative world and about the creative business. And so, again, the industry is really, really small. And hearing that, oh, content creation is like becoming a new position, you know, everybody in the creative industry has been like, well, <laughs> isn't that what any single creator does? So it's, it's in our world, it's not a very surprising thing. But at the same time, you know, there's something that content creators and influencers, which I think, like you said, are different things can bring to the table that a brand necessarily can't. And it's so amazing for me to see that, like, people that are not creatives or not professionally trained creatives are starting to understand that. Content creators and influencers bring humanity to the table. That is what a brand wants to access. That's what they want to tap into. That's what they're ultimately paying for. You as a as a single human, being able to recommend things or being able to influence someone's behavior, purchasing or otherwise, and also tap into it kind of like a network of other people that are following you that could also be potential clients or buyers for the brand. And that's not something that brands have, you know, there's not really one person that represents the brand, even in, in, in the meta world. Yeah. You have Mark Zuckerberg, but like, he's not really, like, we all know it's a, it's a corporate company. There's, you know, hundreds of thousands probably people working there. So there's not like one person that's associated with the brand. So in order to really create that relationship between ordinary people online and and a brand, you kind of need that middle person. So influencers are that, content creators are also that, especially with you know TikTok and how that works a little bit differently from Instagram. But Kindly Gifted was really created to kind of bridge that gap between brands and influencers and bring conversations that brands typically have behind closed doors even about the influencer's work which i don't think is ethical or right you know i think if you if you discuss an influencer's posts or things that they made for you they should really be in that conversation or to properly defend their work but it's just being able to kind of give them the tools that they need in order to really like stay three steps ahead of the brand in order to really be the brand's equal because like i said this is the brand's game and if you step on the court without knowing what to do with the ball, you're not. You're only going to go really in one direction, or there are going to be other people that are going to succeed over you. And so, I think at this point, when in a, in an age where people have kind of reached the glass ceiling in influencer marketing, it's like okay, I know the basics now. What's next? I was really able to kind of fill that void and sense of like, this is what's next. This is how you talk to a brand. This is how you see yourself as a brand. This is how you defend your work. This is how you find your target audience. Things that are essential to building a brand and a business, like you said, which influencers, I completely agree with the fact that I don't think influencers really for the most part, see themselves as such, no matter how many times somebody tells them, it's like, okay, but how? You know what I mean? Like, yes, I should see myself as a business, but I don't really know how to do that. So I feel like Kindly Gifted was kind of able to really fill that void and and take influencers from just gifted partnerships to something that pays you consistently like any other, you know, creative service provider would receive. Yes.
0: Well, so we were just on, you know, the face of a brand. So when we're talking about like, let's say meta and the face of a brand, it reminds me of TikTok and how a lot of brands are not really understanding that platform and it's mm-hmm. very evident because you can see them trying and they're not quite <laughs> not quite hitting it like there's there's some that have just recently come on and I don't know if you've seen them but Barbie recently come, came on the scene I saw she is out of the park on this one so I don't know who her team is but I'm like yes Mattel whatever you're doing you, you get it. And, and people like Hootsuite or Duolingo or Wendy's like Buzzfeed, obviously, like they get it. And then there's a lot of other brands that are really struggling. Like like the gap, I'm like, what? And I have an episode coming up where it's just like going over like all these different mega brands who haven't quite figured it out to really utilize the features in the app to tell their own story. And so when you think about it and you have, you know, clearly worked with clients who are either influencers or business owners and you've been on both sides, which do you, which do you like better? Do you like being the influencer or do you like being the mentor?
1: Um, that's a really great question. I think anybody who works inside a brand is, has to understand influence. Like brands were the OG influencers, people working behind the scenes were were the OG influencers because you study kind of like the psychology of human behavior. And what does it take for me to be able to connect a brand with a product while working behind the scenes? for a brand. So influencers are kind of like the front facing product of that. But I would say I mean I I loved being the influencer, but I I really love being the, in the mentor space now. I think that just kind of helping somebody else and helping them understand an an industry that I feel pretty comfortable with at this point and being able to guide them towards, you know, towards their own kind of success or whatever that metric is for them and being able to like really see the person like starting to think and starting to process things differently and have those like what I call light bulb moments where they're like, aha, I finally get it. And I think that the most sad part for me is that there is a lot of kind of like false advertising in the mentorship space, especially for influencers and coaching space is probably what it's known best as. And I was just like, I don't want to bring my personal experiences to the table because I really can't Make any guarantees with that. I can't, you know, I I don't feel comfortable being like, oh, this is what I did and you can do it too. It's like being able to bring, you know, the research back, data back strategies of an industry that's been alive since the 1920s, that's still applicable today. And taking those kinds of strategies that have worked for so long for brands and using them on influencers and helping them understand that, like, you are a brand too, you are no different from other brands on the market. They're, you are no different from, you know, the Facebooks, the Instagrams, like you should have the same kind of strategies in order to reach whatever metric of success that you have. So I think that's been kind of the more enjoyable part for me now.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember reading some a little blurb on your website and it really is kind of going into the face of the coaching industry and saying you can talk all you want around a topic. Basically is what you're saying. You know, there's so many people who are either self proclaimed gurus out there or have been elevated to that status because they're the loudest voice talking. And they're giving information that is clearly searchable on Google and it's not a one size fits all. So how do you I know that you personally do this because you're kind of like this not, you know, no BS kind of no, you know, no filter when you're talking to clients of yours. How do you get through when there's so many loud voices that have been elevated that are not really serving clients out there.
1: My, my goal is not necessarily to just like compete with anyone because I think that those people are not maybe uh, providing that kind of information because they want to scam someone or because they want to end up with traumatized clients. Although I think some of them really don't care. But I think the problem is that There's nobody really from the brand side helping. And so people are kind of have to, you know, are forcing themselves to kind of step into their own and learn that information on their own. And so what they're doing essentially is, oh, I learned this. Let me package it into a, a coaching program and then sell it to you. But it's like, what if you had something that was not, you know, based on a personal experience? What if you had something that, really helped you understand a strategy that guides you from point A to point B without you being like, is this going to work for me? Because I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly what a personal experience is. If I told you that I went from, I don't know, 200 to 200,000 followers in 30 days using reels, And I gave you my personal experiences, and I said, This is what worked for me. It's like that, that's not, yes, Reels is a program that's not really that well understood 100% at this point. So you can kind of get away with that strategy, but it's you come out on the other side, not what if that didn't work for you? Then what? You know, do you feel you might feel like you're owed money back? You might feel like you got scammed. And then when another coach or a mentor comes along, you you're more hesitant to work with them. And I've kind of experienced that same pattern with clients where they are very, very hesitant and they're clearly very traumatized because they did not get the same experiences that the person promising them did. So it's it's kind of difficult, you know? It's it's just having to just understand that like I'm not here to compete. I think what makes me different is the fact that I'm me and my experiences and and my expertise and that's not really something that I, I can't compete with somebody else's um, but just you know kind of keep on, keeping on pushing and and helping people understand that there is more out there than the front page of Google and validating their concerns is important being able to talk to them like a person i'm not trying to like sell them something i i want to understand where they're coming from i want to understand their experiences i want to understand what it is that they want to succeed towards so i don't really see my clients as like my clients i see them as as people that i want to help and then people that are are just wanting to be successful just like me so there are great coaches out there and there are great people out there that are teaching the basics, but I just kind of found that there was a void in in that part. It's like, okay, I know the basics now what's next. And and that was very hard for me when I did competitor research that I'm like, at this point, I'm begging for competition because I just want to see how they're doing things. And it was hard for me to find somebody kind of in the same space. So I'm really just, just kind of creating my own space, which is fun, but also stressful at the same time.
0: Nice. Well, and you mentioned just creating space, and and that the the front page of Google is not exactly what is kind of the the goalpost for a lot of people. So when you think about businesses and brands and working together and the next right the next a lot of people have been talking about is this whole kind of metaverse right Mm -hmm. and so when an influencer steps into the metaverse what exactly is your take on what they need to be doing what they need to be more cognizant of as they establish themselves in an in in a place that doesn't really exist for a lot of people so you know people don't know how to talk about it listen to me. I'm not, I I'm walking no, around, same. you know what <laughs> I mean? So, so it's, it's an undefined space.
1: And so how does an influencer define themselves? I think it's about putting yourself in the creative mindset. So like for me in a minute you start saying, oh my God, this space is undefined. There's like, people don't really know what they're doing. That gets me so excited. Like I'm over here just like heart racing, like, oh my God, I want to figure it out. And I think it's it's, putting that sol- yourself in that creative mindset where it's like, you know, we did it with Instagram. We did it with YouTube. We did it with, with TikTok. This is kind of like the next phase of the internet and the virtual world and just being excited to experiment and understanding that. And I think the problem is that we've been also conditioned, especially through Instagram and other forms of content that like, if it's not perfect, don't do it. And I think the metaverse is one of those things where we actually don't know at all what we're doing. We don't even know what the the other side of the metaverse is doing. Like there's so much, you know, open space and a lot. For us to figure out. And so I think it's about just stepping into the fact that, like, this is gonna take some experimentation and that should make you excited and also just taking initiative. It's incredible how many people just don't take action because they uh, they just don't want to take initiative. And so that leaves all of this space for people that are like, yeah, I'm going to go try. Yeah, I'm going to go figure it out. And just being active and and being willing to to go through trial and error and understanding that like no other social media platform was built in a day, and no other virtual world was built in a day. And you are part of that contributing factor of it being developing and evolving. And so just getting excited about the fact the unknown is is enough in itself i think it'll push people so much to kind of figure it, figure everything out and and create their own space in the metaverse
0: yes well and the the way that i actually came across your profile was the for you page you know on tiktok and so <laughs> somebody in the you know in the algorithm programmed it the way that it should be because we ended up connecting on tiktok so the one tiktok video that i had watched of yours that i was like yes she knows what she's talking <laughs> about and you were talking about how to become an art director and how a lot of people misconstrue what that means. So can you talk about just what you do in the creative side of art direction and why people might not think it
1: is what it is? (laughs) Yeah. Art direction is always a very difficult thing for me to describe because it's kind of like the metaverse. It's like, I don't, we don't really know what we're doing, but we do. It's like one of those kinds of professions. Like, you know what a copywriter is, you know what a graphic designer is. They're kind of universal in every space. An art director really differs from industry to industry. You know, in the fashion space, art directors do very different things than um, in the advertising space. So it really differs. But I would say that in general, it has a lot to do with coming up with strategies to help bridge the gap between a brand and its consumer. So specifically in the advertising realm, it's a lot about the psychology of human behavior and not just how people buy, but how they behave in general. So I love to give this example because I think it kind of like gives a good overview of, of what an art director would be responsible for. For example, if we have human behavioral trope that a lot of us really love late night snacks. And there's nothing wrong with that. I am guilty of that too. And you know, what is the first place that you think of when you're going, if you want to go somewhere for a late night snack, usually it'll be like a bodega or, you know, a gas station or a fast food restaurant. And so something like McDonald's, for example, and if McDonald's wanted to get more business, they wanted to tap into a new wave of consumers, a a wave of consumers that they maybe haven't tapped into before, which by this time they have, they would say, okay, so what do we do with the information that people love late night snacks? Oh, how about we open 24 hours? That way we also open our doors to the late night crowd as well. And I'm I mean, I've never worked for McDonald's, but I can guarantee you that I'm pretty sure the late night crowd is is the one that's keeping their business alive. And so it's kind of being able to understand what is it that people, that consumers need and bringing that to the brand's table and saying, okay, this is who you are talking to and this is what they want from you now. And so for the art director it's really about the idea it's about the vision some of us also design some of us write copy some of us do the other parts to help execute that vision but for the art director it's really about you know it's really about the idea how can we make a brand the first thing that comes in your mind or in the mind of their target audience it's the same thing with nike for example every single element of nike communicates victory And they have been able to successfully evolve from just athletic victory to victory in life in general. And, you know, when you see a Nike commercial, everything is just so empowering. It's so powerful. It's so inspiring. It's so motivating. And that's the whole point. They want you to feel like you have everything that you need in order to succeed because of Nike, I mean, they even named their brand after the Greek goddess of victory and the swoosh, and then just do it. Everything communicates that kind of victorious power. So those are things that are kind of come up by an art director or a creative director. It's kind of the same position, or you know, a copywriter who's also a visionary in terms of words. So I think in in one sentence, it's just about being strategic with an idea and how to visually portray a brand so that the that their target consumer sees an ad or, you know, an experience or something online. And they're like, I feel seen, I feel understood, that brand gets me. And so that's, that's kind of more about about that. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it yes, it does.
0: It. Is your business not connecting or converting your followers online? Book your brand audit today by visiting collegeofstyle.link forward slash brand audit. I look forward to working with you to move the needle on your business and jumpstart your 2022 with strategic messaging and up-leveled visual branding. Click the link and I'll talk to you soon. Luxury brands are you know, the price point is higher. So they probably need less. Mm -hmm. Um, But how does that translate?
1: It kind of depends on the brand also. But I would say in general, creatives and just the the creative department, the art directors, we usually kind of like stay away from the number side of things. Um, I mean, analytics to us is really important. That's the only way that we can see how our work is performing. But, um, you know, you, you have to get to know really the inside of the brand, what it is that they stand for, the emotional components you know, the price point is also very important, obviously, because that communicates certain things and communicates a certain quote unquote status or just kind of a, a range that they want to of other brands that they want to be in. So those things are also really important. But I it really differs. You know, for me in the fashion industry, I had the same experiences that I had in the advertising industry. So it was really about uh, coming up with innovative ideas that really create an impact for the brand that I was working for. But I also had another art director on the team who was strictly an on-set art director. So she was in charge of really like hiring talent to be on set. She was in charge of like producing photography and the video aspects of things. So it really kind of depends on what it is that your strengths are, which is really cool in the creative industry. You Your position is kind of really formed around What it is that you can bring to the table and what it is that you're really strong at. But I would say that on the fashion industry side of things, it was definitely a lot more visuals. Definitely a lot more of just not just concepting, but really like, okay, let's get out on set. Let's get out, you know, into the what is it that we're gonna do with the visuals? What is it that we're gonna? How is the product going to change based on the consumer? Things like that. So it was a little bit more tactical and hands on, where I felt in the advertising and space, it was a little bit more, you know, kind of in the ideas space, it was just like, oh, come up with the idea and somebody else will execute it. Whereas in the fashion industry, or at least the company that I worked for, we had a really, really small team. So you were coming up with the idea and executing things and also just really focusing more on the visuals, as opposed to like, A deeper concept or, you know, expanding the brand or coming up with ads. Like we didn't do billboards or magazine ads or anything like that. So it was a lot more of just like e-commerce and reaching the consumer through social media. So it kind of depends brand from brand and also an in-house position as an art director versus something at an ad agency. So they're just kind of different skill sets.
0: Makes a lot of sense. I know that, you know, you talk about influencers as not just being human billboards anymore. So what's the next for you? Are you working
1: on any projects? Are you building out this podcast? Like what's your next? Yeah. So I am in fact building out the podcast and it's been such a fun, exciting experience. As you know, you're also a podcast host and yeah, I'm actually hoping to enter into the talent space because I currently have strategy clients in the the influencer side and and, or traditionally known as coaching, I guess. So I I really want to create a full functioning like we're we're teaching strategy and we're teaching people how to think like a brand and then we're taking that influencer and we're managing them so that's currently where we're headed. It's been really exciting. I mean, just kind of entering the online space and everyone is super welcoming and there's so many coaches out there. There's so many podcast hosts out there and being able to just kind of explore that space has been really fun.
0: Great. Well, I'm so glad that I met you and have this (laughs) opportunity to chat with you because I I know that there's so much that influencers, whether they listen to this podcast or are seen out there in the space, I think uh, by people like you and are snatched up to say, okay, I need I need to work with you because <laughs> I, I see so much potential just the fact that you were talking about managing influencers and not it's not the same like I come from a performing background where managers mm-hmm. are are in the mix you know if you're an actor singer dancer, it's like you have an agent you have a manager maybe you have a manager if you're a dancer but um most likely if you are an actor you you have a manager and influencers that whole space of management is is being defined right now because there are managers for people like on Instagram, but I I feel like the space is being more defined for people who are being managed now on TikTok and and profiles being managed by content or content creators being managed because now they're creating mul- you know they have multiple clients across different um, industries that they're creating content for and that needs their own brand management. So I feel like that space is definitely being defined right now. um, Because a lot of of times people have said, you know, oh, it's too late for TikTok. It's too late for me to get on TikTok because the heyday of that was in 2019. Yes, organic reach was probably larger um, because they didn't have like in-app shopping and, you know, all of that thing going on that they have now. But it's not too late to create your own space, your own role, your own job, uh, because that is, it's, it's its own animal. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, 100%. There's, it's never too late to create your own space anywhere. I recently saw a TikTok video, um, and I cannot remember the creator's name, but she said that if you ever feel like you can't create your own space or you feel like there's, it's saturated or there's so many people doing what you want to do, and that's, what's withholding you from entering that space, Go to the water aisle in a grocery store and look at how many water brands are there. Just selling water, we would think that that's like, <laughs> like maybe we just need one or two. But there's tons of water brands, and they feel comfortable entering that space and continuing to enter that space. So I think that I completely agree with you. I think that there's like room for everyone to do whatever it is that you want to do. The most important part is just, just do it, and um, you know you're gonna. Learn along the way. Rome was not built in a day. So there's always going to be somebody that's going to see potential in you, that's going to want to help you, and that you're going to want to help somebody else. And so I think it's just being open to the fact that, like, there is room for me. And there's also room for me to meet people that want to see me succeed. And I don't have to do everything by myself. I can, you know, learn from someone else. And I think that's also the beauty of TikTok is that you go on there and you learn so many things just from regular people, not all of them are celebrities. And you walk away like enriched and, you know, excited to, to do with that information when you will. So yeah, I think that TikTok has made it like, like you said, so much more accessible to just kind of do whatever it is that you want to do on the internet. Exactly.
0: So my last question for you is, what's your prediction on 2022 uh, for the influencer marketing space for, you know, you can go back to the metaverse. What what are some of your predictions for just marketing um, brands in general? I think
1: that if brands haven't already, they need to understand that influencers are getting smarter and that pricing is going to change. I think that there are going to be also less Influencers accepting things like gifted partnerships, which in my opinion is a sin already. But I think the brands need to understand that you know influencers are not crows. You cannot dangle and wave shiny objects in front of them anymore. This is that that era is gone. And with platforms like YouTube and like TikTok, where people are so willing to just share whatever information that they want, whether that be about how they worked with the brand in the past or anything, is that you you're, you're more educated now about how the space works, how brands work. And so I think brands need to understand that like they're becoming smarter influencers. And the tactic is not, how can I take advantage of an influencer? The tactic is they're doing exactly what I'm doing, except not within a brand. And they deserve the same amount of respect as any other brand professional or any other business, any other freelancer, anything like that. So I think that's kind of shifting, which I'm, I'm loving, but I, I see that it's going to shift even more because the discussions are continuing to happen about pricing, about, you know, expectations. And also I just, I, I think that influencers are stepping into their own as really business owners. I'm seeing so many influencers launch merch and products and put up their own Shopify for whatever it is that they're selling or even have brick and mortar stores. I think that's so cool that they are also not just competing in the online space, but they are entering the tangible product space as well. And I, I think that we'll continue to see that in 2022. And also, like you said, with the differentiation of content creators versus influencers, you know, we have the people that are capable of you know, recommending something to you and convincing you that you need it, <laughs> even if you don't. And we also have the content creators that are being hired not to influence, but just to create content for brands and give brands that human factor and the human space that they maybe don't necessarily have on social media. So I definitely see a rise in, in content creation and more positions hiring for specifically social media content creators as well. So there's a lot happening, you know, and, and it's so exciting to see how um, social media is developing and all, all the curveballs that we're taking. It's just a really cool space.
0: Yes, well, I will have to revisit this conversation with you at the end of 2022 um, (laughs) to see exactly what has changed and what we still are like, hoping will change, um, you know, so that people are, you know, getting their due and being recognized for the talents that they do have and for the audiences that they bring to the table. It's been so wonderful getting to know you and all about your journey. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
1: Thank you so much, Sandra. I appreciate you.
0: Did you know that we have a secret tools page on my website? (laughs) Well, I guess it's not so secret anymore. If you go to collegeofstyle.com forward slash tools, you will see the exact software. It's called Interact that I created my style quiz with. So... There's affiliate links on that page, just an FYI, but all of those different mechanisms, those systems, those tools on that page are going to help you up-level your business. I would not put any one of those on there if I didn't think that it was great and would help you move the needle on your business. So check it out at www.collegeofstyle.com forward slash tools. And tell me, send me a message. Which one have you tried and how do you like it? I always want to know what's working for you and your business. And I will see you on the next one. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Sweet Bites with Sandra, make sure to send an email to info at sandracoltamedici.com, including the subject line, be a sponsor.